Okay, so welcome to my podcast. My name is Ali O'Shea, and my podcast is about soul expansion and inspiration. And today we have a very special guest, uh, my first guest on the show, and his name is Jim Rogers. So very warm welcome to Jim. Jim is a published author who started his amazing spiritual journey in 1998, just as his second marriage was imploding. He came to understand that he was spiritually bankrupt and knew the truth of that realization. From that realization, Jim began to attend a 12-step program for overeating and another program for codependence. That was just the beginning. So welcome to you, Jim. Tell us a little bit of where that spiritual journey began, if you would, and tell us about when you realized that you were spiritually bankrupt and what that meant for you. Um, my then wife and I were, were going to um, a marriage therapist. We knew we needed to see one. He was a gift from God. He was uh, caring. And um, I thought we were going to pull things back together. We both started going to 12-step programs. The therapist said to me one day in the middle of things, just stopped and looked at me and said, Jim, you're spiritually bankrupt. <laughs> like, oh. What does it that mean? <laughs> well, I kind of got what it meant because I had been raised in restrictive religion, but um, I'd studied my way out of it and didn't replace it with anything because I, I saw that everybody else was based on the same flawed model, an Old Testament with a, a God who needed anger management and the New Testament you know, with a loving God. So um, how do you make that work? So I just kind of like walked away from everything and my second marriage was kind of an, I, I used to think it was more about running away from God, but it was more about just being, um, having, you know, being absent from any spiritual, religious, spiritual, whatever journey. And, and I chose a partner who facilitated that, <laughs> right. yeah. which wasn't very wise. So um, that was, so here's 12 years later, basically, or 11 years later, and we're going to this, this therapist who started seeing us as a couple and eventually split us up to say, you know, therapists don't normally do this, but I'm going to split you apart, work, work with you separately, bring you back together. So um, he looked at me, he had his doctorate in clinical psychology and certifications for everything. And he looked at me one day and said, you know, you've got problems with food and you've got, you, this was so, this was 98. Right. So you may have a problem with this thing called known as codependence, which was the understatement of the century. So, I first went to Overeaters Anonymous, then I went to Codependence Anonymous, and, and both of them, I felt like I, you know, was in my tribe, was with among peers who knew exactly what I was going through. So, which is very important. Made, oh yeah, so it made a big impact on me, and, and it was there that the more metaphysical twelve-step spirituality, because that's what twelve-step spirituality is, is much more metaphysical in nature, because it's addressing the mind and the healing of the mind, and and helping you come to your own conclusion about who God is. So it was, you know, we could go into how it was all founded. It doesn't matter. It, um, so that helped me a lot. And then eventually I kind of found a spiritual community because 12 step, the spiritual flavor or the spiritual intensity or whatever wasn't there. I needed more. So Fast forward about 2004, I was on an online dating site and ran into somebody who um, 
we never met in person, but she said, this is what I believe. I believe in the teachings of this teacher, Dr. David R. Hawkins and his uh, map of consciousness. Boom. So, you know, I wrote to her. We talked a couple of times. I went out and bought the first book, Power Versus Force. And it was like fish on. This was a person who answered every spiritual question I ever had and did so in a, just a perfect way. And as the books came out, because Power Versus Force was released in 1995, but I got a version that was, produced, that was published by Hay House in 2000-ish. So, what was um, it called? Power Versus Force? Power, power Versus Force, yeah. So uh, Dr. Hawkins, Doc, as we as one, um, was a psychiatrist. So he, had a, he, he was very erudite, and he had a very strong understanding of of the human condition. And his whole thing was about alleviating human suffering. He had the largest psychiatric clinic in the United States at the time, um, had, 10, had a staff of 50, 10,000 patients, um, and anything that possibly alleviate human suffering, he looked at, he tried out. So he'd been through everything, out of body experiences, all this kind of stuff, and when his when he finally came to terms with his uh, with his spiritual enlightenment, which was um, a white light experience that struck him and he struck him down and he couldn't basically talk for a couple of years. He walked away from everything, moved to Sedona, and um, slowly reintegrated into life and um, the teaching from there. Anyway, so um, it was um, bit of an aha moment for you reading the book, or, I guess. It was, it was a series and, and continues to be a series of okay. aha moments because every time you read it, you see it in a different light. You're not the person you were when you yeah. start. Yeah. yeah. So same thing with A Course in Miracles. Every time you read through the, the uh, workbook, you see things in a different light because it affected you the first time in its own way and you come back, look at it again, and you look at it in a different light. So... That's what's quite fascinating about this whole journey because you're kind of evolving in a spiral upward. Yes, exactly, exactly. And did you lose a lot of weight? You say you were an overeater. Did you did you have to lose a lot of weight due to the no, the weight loss? The weight loss happened earlier. Um, it was really more about coming to terms with understanding the emotional component of of weight gaining because I had lost. In my teens, I was over 300 pounds, and I lost 140 pounds in 10 months. Wow. And and then did the, you know, the bounty bounty with weight. So um, I didn't get the emotional component of weight loss, and that's what I finally started to understand. And the spiritual component of weight, you know, how you're medicating feelings. But then over time, I finally and another component of that, and that was as a child, I grew up in a small town in Oregon, and uh, we had spring water, you know, but it was chlorinated quite heavily, and I didn't like the taste of it, so I just didn't drink a lot of water. Mm. Well, when you're thirsty, you feel like you're hungry, so I just ate a lot more. So it was a compounding situation. That's the truth. I don't drink fluoride either, so I have to drink bottled water here now, which is such a pain. But we've got fluoride in our water, so I don't 
I gave up fluoride, you know, a couple of years ago, along with caffeine. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, I'm uh, 20, I'm down to like 20% caffeine and, you know, <clears throat> I'm okay Well, I've that. got my decaffeinated, uh, decaffeinated coffee. <laughs> I have the rest of mine, but I had about 6.30 this morning, two hours ago. Yeah, well, that's absolutely fascinating. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, you're welcome. No, I know. Of of what you want to talk about already, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, I know as a law of attraction practitioner that faith and belief are really key components of of life that people who don't have don't experience maybe the value of life that you do have with faith. And I know that you are a firm believer in faith. And you've said that, you know, every time you needed something, every time you needed a resource, just like that book, it was there for you. Do you want to talk to us a little bit more about that and how things have cropped up in your life? Maybe that when you've needed them, they've just, they've come at the right time. Well, you know, uh, seven years ago, everything fell apart and I had to walk away from pretty much everything. So, wow. um, I took with me my music, my books, and my computers, and some clothes. That was it. So um, I still don't have a lot, but that's okay because I have a lot. I have the resources within me to do everything I need to do. And slowly but surely, I came to realize that. Um, I went to live with family for a year and a half. And um, as... I guess, I don't want to say fate would have it, but, you know, people can see in you your potential and what's going on, why, you know, what's happening. So I walked away from everything. I didn't have a car, I didn't have a driver's license, I didn't have an income. And without a car, it's kind of hard, to, you know, when you live, I, I went to live with family and they lived in a remote location. <laughs> oh dear. Well, it's kind of hard to, you know. So um, after about a year and a half, it was like, you know, it's time for you to leave. And I didn't, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have money. So I don't have an income. And about a week before I was scheduled to move, I had a friend of mine who had been a client, but I, you know, uh, an edit client called me and said, hey, do you have time? Of course I have time. I have a book for you. I, well, she said it was an edit job, but it turned out to be my first ghostwriting job. Wow. So suddenly I had an income to, you know, take care of my living expenses as I moved. Amazing. So that was the first kind of big one of those things. And then um, those just kept happening. So I moved to this little town in Arizona called Prescott. It's in the mountains. It's like a mile high. It's, I found a place to live that was within six blocks of downtown. So, and the living conditions weren't the best. So I would take walks all the time. And this was, this book project was massive. It was like, six of the books that I would write now. Wow. So I, I ended up in eight months writing 244,000 words and the average book is 35 to 40,000. So it was, it was a big project. Um, so I would walk downtown, I would meet people and that eventually ended up in bringing me another job, a part-time job at working retail in a, in a spice store so, I mean, just, you know, things would happen. And I didn't have a car. I had a driver's license finally, but I didn't have a car. And suddenly I received a car as a gift, which meant that then I was more mobile. I could do more things and I could get out. And so that's what helped me be able to move to, to Phoenix. Um, I moved to Phoenix because there wasn't enough, there, 
the opportunities there in Prescott weren't enough. I had more opportunities here, plus Prescott wasn't a place to be single. So I moved here, and, and there was a greater spiritual community here, just all sorts of things. So every time I needed something, I also had a, I also had a client... I started writing a book for, in fact, I wrote most of it, but that was before I had a, um, a written agreement. And suddenly, five, six of the way through the project, um, she canceled, and I was left high and dry. But I made it, you know, so, and I was, she paid for less than half of the project. So, um, but I made it through it. So I look back at those instances and realize that, Everything I need is always provided. There are two Bible verses. One talks about the lilies, you know, that um, it's in Proverbs. The lilies, are, the lilies are beautiful and they're taken care of. And how much more do you think you're taken care of, you know? And the other one is the birds always have food, you know? And how much more do you think you're cared for, that you're going to have yeah. everything you need paid for? So those became much more meaningful to me because I could see that there is this greater power, I don't want to call it force because it goes against what I know. Um, there's a greater power that really is watching over us all as we open up. What I learned in my studies is that the biggest thing that gets in the way is our harboring negativity. So as you let go of more and more negativity, negative belief systems, negative talk, anger, um, fear, all those kind of things, as you let them go, let them run themselves out, we, we tend to, we, when we get a negative feeling, we, and we suppress it. So we just shove it down on the stack of feelings that are already there. Instead of when it comes up, just let it run its course, let it run out. It feels uncomfortable. So what? It'll run out in about 20 minutes and you go on. I just so did a live video on it. I actually just literally just finished a live video on contrast and, you know, how um, that we have to deal with the negative emotions as a healer. I'm really aware of that. So it's really funny that you're talking about that because I'm going through some contrast myself. I won't talk about it, but, you know, we all go through contrast, the negatives, the positives. And it is about trying to be a better person, about forgiveness as well, as we've spoken about. I know you're a big believer in forgiveness and I've just released a program of that on my academy. It's really important, isn't it? You know? Well, but when you look at, when you look at the reason negativity comes up in your life, you, you begin to understand it even more. Negativity comes up because it's the opportunity to do un, to undo negative karma. So what we, what we normally do is we look at that negativity and go, why is this happening to me? We refuse to learn the lesson. Yeah, oh, it's always there different. for a lesson or a blessing. And, you know, that we go through it so that we can grow and expand as well, don't we? You know, it's, it's for lessons. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So when we refuse to look at the lesson that's contained in this negativity, it's going to come back again and again and again. Yes, but when we choose to look at it and see what's there, because if we just allow ourselves to be aware, we'll see it. Yeah. And then we go, oh, I get this. Thank you for the opportunity to undo this. Because um, we, in somewhere in this life or a previous one, we've done something equally harmful to another. So this is our opportunity to undo that, to 
you know, uh, what, what we sow, we reap. Doesn't matter, you know, what incarnation. So that's what I've learned. Um, if somebody really crushes your heart in a breakup, <laughs> well, you know, I could look back and see that. And um, so I just, I, I look at all those things that way. My second divorce was unnecessarily difficult and just tragic and terrible, but it triggered everything in me that I needed to get rid of, that, that, I, need, that I needed to look at and get rid of. So, you know, there've been times people say, if you could go back and undo any moment in your life or redo it, you know, what would it be? And it's like, none. Because if I, I undid any moment in my life, that's saying I don't, I don't like who I am now. Exactly. And exactly. I really like who I am now. So I can't go back and, and redo any of those moments because every one of those moments, no matter how good or how negative they were, formed who I am now. Exactly. So, exactly. We wouldn't yeah. be the people that we are today if we hadn't gone through those things. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the most important things that the listeners, you know, can learn from is that, you know, don't despair, deal with the negative emotions, learn from them, and you will get through them. And we all go through them. Well, and, you know, let's talk a little, a little bit more about forgiveness, because in forgiving someone, first of all, people mistake forgiveness for condoning. You know, exactly. I forgive you. So that's okay. You did that. No. Forgiveness lets you off the hook because when you hold resentment against somebody, it's like drinking poison, hope they die, hoping they die. That's actually <laughs> in my program. I have that exact thing and I have a little bottle of poison. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so forgiveness is letting yourself off the hook because when you hold that negativity inside, you're not harming them, you're harming you. Exactly. Yeah, you're making yourself sick because it does present later on and it manifests within your physical body. You know, whether it's cancer or Parkinson's or a headache or a sore back, it doesn't exactly. matter. In every emotion so, that we suppress, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, be, see, we suppress and we repress. Mm -hmm. Suppression is voluntary. Repression is involuntary. Yeah. So it's important to, to examine all of, the, all of that energy. You yeah. know, when something release of energy, don't shove it down. It's being triggered purposefully, so let it go. Yeah. Um, but forgiveness, when we look at it even more closely, forgiveness, you realize that when, when you realize that nothing's personal, nothing's personal. People are only doing the best that they can do in any given moment. So any action that you feel is against you isn't really against you. It's just that that's who they are. That's how they're responding to who you are. So it's important when you realize that, to realize that you have the choice to, to walk away from them and love them from a distance. Instead of saying, you know, you know I just uh, can't stand you, I hate you, and, and you know, cursing them. I realized one day that if we can curse people, we can bless them too. And I felt uncomfortable with that feeling, with that concept. And after a while, I realized, no, 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 no. That's nothing to feel uncomfortable about. So um, instead of looking at somebody thinking, what are you doing that for? Everybody's just doing the best that they can, period, with what they have. Yeah. When people know better, they do better. It's rarely do most people know better. So 
you know, as Doc talked about, so um, Dr. Hawkins developed the scale of consciousness, the map of consciousness. And it goes from zero to a thousand. And the thousand is what the, the great avatars were at. Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, they were all at that. It's, and it's because the human nervous system can't take any, any higher spiritual ener energy than that. But what he also said was the average individual only progresses five points in a lifetime. And it's a logarithmic scale. So five points is actually a lot. But the average individual, 85% of the planet, is below spiritual integrity. So they're all in fear and blame and shame and guilt and, and anger. So those of us who are growing tend to make up for the those who only grow five points because a lot of us like you know overnight like zoom up 100 200 points with a simple realization so it is that awakening that we all that's we tend to think that it's something that we've done it's grace it's a gift we've been ripening spiritually and we're ready for that and we get it yeah yeah amazing I mean, so many aha moments there, and I'm sure for the listeners too, just, you know, listening to you speak about your life and your journey, it's, it's amazing, you know, how we go through this awakening and we start to realize who we really are and, and go back to that and, and, you know, and how we can teach that to other people too. Um, and I know, Jim, that you are a published author, and I think that, you know, from our previous conversations that... Uh, my listeners would be very interested. I know a lot of my friends and a lot of people on the spiritual path have, or the awakening, as we like to call it, have gone through some of the things that you've gone through with regards to relationships. And I think, you know, from our previous conversation that we've had briefly about talking about some of the books that you have published um, on relationships and on, I think you've got you've got one on divorce and how to help people through that as well, don't you? Is that right? Have, so the first book I published was I wrote it in, in between 2007 and 2008. It took me forever. Um, but <laughs> like it was, my book. <laughs> it was all that I learned. It was all that I learned from two, two marriages, two divorces, and dating afterwards for several years. And I could see my own mistakes. I could see the mistakes of others. I could see um, how culture was affecting relationships in a much more negative way, Western culture. So I wrote about it. And then um, afterwards, I wanted to write more. So I created what was going to be a lecture on a Sunday afternoon. And when I went through it and counted up 108 and a half by 11 pages, I went, there goes the Sunday afternoon lecture. So I from that, I created four courses that I've not done a thing with yet. <laughs> but you need to. But I then, really feel that you need to. I think you need to. That's in you the can, works. You no, know, you can make them online courses. They don't have to be physical, real life courses. You can make them online courses that people can access when you finally get your website up and running again. So, so, um, but I wrote, I started to write ebooks. Um, Instead of writing a 60,000-word 60, book, I, I made specifically targeted much smaller books that were no fluff, all meat. You know, they gave you enough in them. So I wrote um, the first ones were about healing your heart. There was a small one, finding the love of your life in midlife and those kind of things. But they just, 
they weren't happening. And then I realized I needed to write a, a series of books on divorce. So I have how to get through your divorce, how to get your, kid, your children through your divorce, how to move on after divorce, how to find a relationship after divorce. And then I realized I had one more and I'm, it's not published yet. It's called, Should I Get a Divorce? And it's really about the process of reasoning through things. Are you divorcing? You know, it's asking you questions. Why, do you, why are you considering this? So, um, and they're all about, they're all less than 20,000 words. So you can sit down and read them in a brief period of time. But, but they were ebooks. So now I've actually realized that I can reformat them, update them a bit, and turn them into print books. So I'm, yeah. in, I'm, in, I'm in that process. So then <clears throat> I, have a, um, I have a series of books on relationship. Um, the challenge of relationship, am I ready for relationship? Uh, what makes relationships work? And then I wrote one called Why Are Relationships Fail? Which nobody wants to buy because nobody wants to know whether relationships fail. So I have a couple others to add to that series. And um, then I also, I took the, the concept for one ebook, um, Finding the Love of Your Life in mid, Midlife, and turned that into a series, Finding Love. And it starts out finding love within and what that means and then going through all the steps in that. So amazing. Amazing. My my ebooks are on are on Amazon. My print book is on Amazon too. In fact, I'm going to cancel that contract and republish it myself with an update. But it's still there. It's um midlife metamorphosis. If you just type that in, I don't know if it's available on Amazon UK. It probably is, but um it's definitely on Amazon.com. And then <clears throat> my eBooks are available on Amazon as well. So if you, if you just think how to get through your divorce, because that's the title of the first one, in the sales description, all the other titles are there. Yeah, so I'm sure if they just popped in Jim Rogers as well, they would probably. There's a million Jim Rogers. Oh, okay. <laughs> and one guy wrote a book on satanic stuff. That's not me. And there's a Jim Rogers who's a who's a um, um, a financial wizard. That's not me. <laughs> At least yet. Okay. okay, so just once more, just say the name of that book that you said that they'd all come up under, just so that the listeners can how, hear it. How to get through your divorce. How to get through your divorce. Yeah. That's the title. So, I mean, and so it, and it's actually, it's very, um, I call it a practical emotional guide. So, and that's what they all are because it's, you know, it's, they're not legal at all. It's really about what you do to make it through this and, and why all of a sudden is all this stuff come up. So, I didn't really add this spiritual component to any of these books. And I think that as I go back and rewrite them, especially how to get through your divorce, I'll go back and add the spiritual component in that because um, for, those, for those listeners who understand who Carl Jung is, the, he was the great psychoanalyst, Swiss psychoanalyst. Mm -hmm. One of the things he said, and I'm paraphrasing, is basically that the psyche in its, in its desire to seek balance will do things that to the conscious mind look absolutely insane. And that's what my second marriage was and the divorce. Right. So when you're going through this crazy stuff, your subconscious, your psyche is, is seeking a balance. So you have all this stuff that needs to come up and, and be purged. And that's what's, that's what's going on. So like I said earlier, or as I said earlier, when, um, 
when negative things come up, look at them as this is a gateway to something new. I, this is giving me an opportunity to grow as opposed to what is going on here? And so in divorce or in painful situations, <laughs> you can't drink your way through them. You can't do anything else other than walking straight through it and feeling everything. So um, those things are really important. Just know that you will make it through any difficult situation as long as you um, just make your way through it. Yeah. Find people who are there who can, who can be of support to you. Find the resources. The resources will make their way to you. They will all make their way to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh, thank you, Jim. Oh, you're welcome. A wonderful story. And I think, you know, there's so many people out there who could do with your insight on, you know, the issues that you went through in your marriages and your divorces, your subsequent divorces. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, up, up and coming books too, because they sound absolutely fascinating, especially you know, if you're going through that. Personally, I'm not, thankfully, at the moment. Uh, I've been uh, blessed to be with my husband for 28 years. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's so many people in the world, though, that could do with that information, I think, mm -hmm. well, coming from somebody who has been through it a couple of times, you know, not just somebody who's just sitting there looking at it from the outside in and not having been through it. I always think it's important that when you're talking on a subject that you've had some experience of it and that's what brings it to the people to make them resonate with your story and with you as a person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very much so. If you, if you've gone through it, you understand what people are going through and you can say, look, I've been there. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it right now, but you're going to be fine. That's the thing, isn't it? It never feels like it's going to be fine when you're in the midst of a crisis or something like that. It always feels like, ah, <laughs> but it's about keeping that calmness. It's about, you know, using all of our spiritual tools as well, or meditation and, you know, dealing with those negative emotions and, you know, yeah. as you said, not, not drinking through it, you know. Yeah, meditation, journaling. So, you know, you asked, you, you were going to ask me a question about the, the, the different spiritual tools and which one worked for me, meditation, hypnosis, yes. therapy, journaling, studying, positivity, self-belief, worthiness. They all worked at one, at one time or another. In fact, they all work. They're building blocks. So, you know, um, I, I realized at one time I needed a hypnotherapist. And the reason I realized that is because as an adult, I mean, I hadn't done it in, in earlier years, but I'd picked up smoking. It was something I wanted to flirt with for a while. And when you flirt with something that's crazy like that, you end up picking it up because it's an addiction to, you know, nicotine. So I had quit smoking with hypnosis therapy. You know what? I need a hypnotherapist. So I looked for a couple and I realized that even though they were hypnotherapists, they hadn't done their own work. You can tell in somebody when there's a calm about them and there's a, there's a sense of knowing that they've done the work. But when somebody's kind of scattered and, you know, as a hypnotherapist, they haven't done the work. So this is another one of those, the resource showed up. I was working in the Spice Traveler, which was a spice store in Prescott, Arizona, up in the mountains, and, uh, at, you know, selling. And somebody walks in one night who did not fit any profile. He had 
tattoos all the way around here, up above, up above a button-up collar shirt. He wore black horn-rimmed glasses. He just, like, was a juxt he was just like, he didn't fit. So after a while, I kept, kind of kept my eye on him because I didn't know what. After a while, he came up and we started having a conversation. He had ridden his motorcycle from Bisbee, Arizona, near the Mexico border. Just happened to get into town on my shift. And we were talking and he said, oh, I have a hypnotherapist. This is her name. Call her up. You know, she, she, he explained the, the work that she does. You have a phone conversation. She writes, she takes notes. She writes a script for you. She records it. She records it. She download an MP3. That's how I, I did that for a year. So you do it for 30 days and then you do it again and you do it again and you take a break for two or three months because the subconscious mind needs a break. You don't push it too much. So the first two months I sobbed uncontrollably for a half an hour a day. Wow. And it was just, there was a lot of negativity to release. I didn't realize how much. I go back every once in a while and still do that because through the course of our lives, we can so easily suppress negative energy. So it's, it's important to have a way that can, f that can pull out that subconscious yeah. negative energy. Release yeah. it for you. Yeah. And you know what? It's so funny that you said that that man didn't fit in that way in any way, shape or form. But you know what? I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Everything oh, happens yeah. in fine timing. He came on your shift where you had a break. Oh, no. Whatever. Were you on a break where you were doing your shift? But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And he was exactly where he was meant to be at that moment. I know. And, and you know, looking back, it's like, it, every, you know, I get it. In fact, I got it then because... He said, well, I'm up from Bisbee. And, you know, so <clears throat> he had gone from, he said in the 1980s, he was apprehended in California by cops. He had an unloaded weapon and two ounces of cocaine, which meant automatic 10 years in prison. Okay. So he went from a prison mentality to a mid-six figures business person. Wow. Amazing. And he attributed a lot of that to working with her. But he also poured himself into reading, into staying in that mindset reading authors like Catherine Ponder and probably Neville Goddard and just all of those um, um, authors who talk about manifesting who also don't really understand when you go back and read those authors about manifesting if you have a lot of negative energy inside that is what's projecting out more than anything that's why it's so important to let those things go that's why forgiveness in one way is so important because as you forgive there's room for more and more good to come into your life because that energy is not blocking. So exactly. As you, as you use all of these spiritual tools, finding the right, the, the right authors to read and immersing yourself because you have to, mm. you can't do it for like five minutes a day and walk away from it because you have, you know, 20, 23 hours and 55 minutes of negativity hitting you. Yeah. And your own thoughts that are negative hitting you. So it's really important to to come up with a routine that works for you and do it daily. And I agree with you. Over yeah. time, over time, things really start to flow in a different way. Yes, it's amazing how that happens. I totally agree with you. I think it's important that we have, you know, whatever tool it is that's that's good for us, you know, in that moment, you know. Um but uh, I'd always put meditation very, very close to the top. Always, always. Yeah. Yeah. 
I didn't do that until about seven years ago, and now I do it every morning, hour, hour and a half. The problem with it, I suppose, is those who aren't awakened or who are just starting their journey don't understand. It's not just people sitting there going, um, no, no. you know, and, and you know what, it, it, it's actually, it's so, it, I mean, every time I coach somebody, I tell them, are you meditating? Or I ask them, I should say, and then I tell them, <laughs> if not, why not? You should be meditating, you know, yeah. so, um, well, so important. I started with an app on my iPad. It's, um. It's now 32 binaural, I've got it on my phone too, hang on. Binaural beats. Yeah, it's binaural beats. It says 32 binaural programs. It's, it's um, brainwave. It's like the best four bucks I ever spent. So um, I'll bring it up so you can, I'll show it on. So it looks like that. It's made, it's written by, um, What's the name of the place? Oh, crumb. Anyway, <laughs> those 35 binaural programs. Um, anyway, um, it's, it's great. It's only available on, for Apple devices, but there's no, and out of the 35, there's only two on there I used, but they were exactly what I needed. Yeah. And I learned to meditate in a less than sterile environment with noise going on around me which helped me because now I can go into meditation any place, you know? Yes. And, and that's the other thing that people don't realize. We can meditate anywhere. We can meditate in the shower. We can meditate while we're washing up. We can meditate yeah. while coloring. We can meditate while out on a walk in nature. And, and that's the beauty of it. Because meditation isn't just this close your eyes. It's, it's contemplation too. And so you can go about the day, contemplating a particular spiritual principle just throughout the day and that's a meditation yes yes amazing well jim i'd love to um say thank you so much for being with us here today and i, I hope that my listeners i'm sure that they've enjoyed it and you know that they'll go and have a look for your amazing books and to see more of you in the future and we're going to put the link to your facebook page i don't know whether you're accepting friend requests but just in case anyone would like to private message you or maybe about your book sure. or books or anything like that. Um, it can be there on, on my YouTube channel because of course this is going on my YouTube channel. As well. Sure. Sure. Fantastic. Well, listen, I wish you a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you so much for being my first guest on my podcast. It's been a lovely time spent with you this afternoon. It's this afternoon in Ireland. I know it's this morning for you over there, <laughs> <laughs> which is always fun. Yeah. You know the time zones, but um, thank you very much, uh, Jim. You're very welcome. You're very welcome.